morning. Welcome to the Jennifer O'Brien Show. I'm your host, Jennifer O'Brien. I am really excited this morning. I have a new friend that I met a few weeks ago. Her name is Barbara Ann Bush, and she has so much to say. I enjoyed every moment of our conversation. We met at a mutual friend's house and shared a meal together, and the fellowship was so rich, so encouraging, and I just knew I wanted to have her on the show. And um, so welcome, Barbara. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Glad to be here. Good to see you again. Yes, good to see you. And you, you've you got that bright red lipstick on and I'm loving the bright red lipstick. I used to, I used to always wear, that was my only makeup item. Well, that and mascara. That was it. Yeah. So um, I don't know. You got me thinking, putting on the red lipstick again. I should have just put it on this morning since I knew uh, you were going to come on. But um, love it. So tell us a little bit about who you are, um, and we're going to just jump right in. Well, um, I am a biblical counselor, and I uh, worked with behavioral health for a long time. Uh, before I changed vocations, rather, it's, it's not exactly retiring. I just sort of changed what I'm doing. And I used to work with, uh, at one point with federal government, with Health and Human Services, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, as a contractor. And uh, also with the uh, Behavioral Health Department at the state of Georgia. And I did grants for Gwinnett County. Oh. And so I have sort of a, a, a humanistic uh, training, uh, although I'm a Christian and have been since I was a small child. I took a few strange trips with being uh, <laughs> with the Lord, I, I left the Baptist Church, went to the Roman Catholic Church, and then have since come back to a non-denominational church. Yeah, but um, the um, the Lord was with me throughout that entire little journey, uh, for which I'm extremely grateful. But um, that's and so now I'm writing um, for. Uh, conservative Christian newspaper, mm -hmm. as well as seeing clients. And I've recently been asked by a couple of groups to put together a biblical advocacy uh, training. And so I'm getting, I'm starting to do some research to pull that together. So that's sort of a, a short wow. uh, bio. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's a lot. You've got a lot going on. And that's, that's part of the conversation. It just was so rich. And um, so I have to say, like, what led you to this journey? I would love I to kind of hear a little bit of your upbringing and, and, and how you got drawn into behavioral um, uh, counseling and or uh, just did the different things. And now you're a writer and now you're a counselor and, and what kind of set you on that course? Well, um, I, I was very fortunate growing up in that I had really good schools 
-hmm. And um, my family had some real turbulence in it. Um, and my mom and when I, I'm 73. So when I was growing up, people were not getting divorced. Yeah. My, my mom and dad divorced when I was about six and a half. Okay. Um, it, it, it was a year long process, but it started when I was six and a half and stopped when I was seven and a half. And, um, as much as any of those things ever stop. And so, um, that um, took me a bit on, on that path in that I was always interested in what made people think how they think and how it all, how does it work, mm -hmm. you know? And I think a lot of people who uh, first are attracted to behavioral health are trying to figure that out for themselves personally Mm -hmm. And um, then and hopefully that helps. And uh, <laughs> many times one of the things that I have specialized in is care for caregivers. OK, uh, because in over 36 years now, I guess, uh, working with behavioral health um, and particularly when I was doing work with the state and with the uh, uh, federal government, I was working with where like uh, accountability courts, uh, drug court, uh, DUI court, uh, domestic violence court, veterans court, all those where people were there basically because they were not able to manage their um, emotional life and they were not being able to get themselves properly directed for good help. Mm -hmm. So they wound up uh, in the criminal system. And so that place where the criminal system and behavioral health intersect mm -hmm. is sort of where I parked for a long time. Wow. And, and that is where you find a lot of people who have a, a wide variety of different types of trauma. Mm -hmm. So before we had COVID and before we had all this other stuff that made trauma a hot topic, yeah. um, I was doing deep dives into that because that was what I needed to understand to help the people uh, that I was working with. And it helped me because my early childhood had a lot of uh, physical abuse and uh, emotional abuse in it. And so I had firsthand experience with that kind of trauma too. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that, um, that it's sort of like whenever you do something that is what the Lord wants, you not only help other people, you get help yourself. You know, he blesses yeah. you for blessing others. That's just how he does. Mm -hmm. and, and so that, uh, that worked that way for me as well. And yeah. So, and I also worked with uh, not only the Justice Department, but as sort of a uh, annex of the Justice Department was the foster care. Wow. Because most of the uh, people who are in foster care are there because their parents are in the criminal justice system. Not all, right. but a large percentage. Yeah. So you specialized in helping people work through trauma. Yeah. 
Um, and, and, and how to not uh, invite trauma back into their lives because it, if what we learn is only how to fix what's broken, then we're going to always have to have something broken. Well, we don't always have to have something broken. We cannot get broken in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I've talked about before just seeing patterns of behavior where you become addicted to chaos. And I and I see people time and time again, and I'll admit myself included, when you're conditioned to be in ruts and be in bad habits and patterns, mm-hmm. depression, anxiety, whatever that is you tend to, it's your normal. It's what people become familiar with. So they don't, it's almost like they don't want to be, you know, people fight for those chains sometimes. They don't even realize they're stuck in those chains. And I love that you talked about trauma because I mean, I've also had, you know, childhood trauma, parents divorced at four, dad kidnapping, sister and I, and just, we had some some dateline babysitters, you know, crazy stuff that, happened early in childhood, which, you know, it's always kind of that gateway to, you know, having to deal with stuff later in life and realizing, um, I heard a counselor once say, if you, if you're not working it out, you're acting it out. So if you're Mm -hmm. not healing it up, you're just going to keep repeating those same, um, patterns. Um, it just might look a little different. So could you speak a little bit on that? Because I do think you mentioned COVID and I think like I do 12 step recovery through Al-Anon just, just to kind because of family history and different things I've learned over the years, but I'm all about recovery and I'm all about learning, you know, the 12 steps. But now I think everybody's got to recover. Everybody's just been through probably losing somebody or losing loss of dreams or, or everybody's been traumatized. Listen, if you did, if you were not traumatized before COVID-19, you will be now. So congratulations. So I have a few questions actually. Yeah. One, let's just say that was somebody's first Trump traumatic experience. So how <laughs> maybe could we speak into helping those people? But two, I also thought about people that hadn't quite healed up from their previous traumas. Now mm-hmm. they've got new trauma. Right. Like, where do they begin with healing the trauma? So, well, I'm going to um, put trauma into sort of like three different pockets to be able to talk about it more accurately. Mm-hmm. There's primary trauma, which is when you have an event that is traumatizing and it is your first trauma experience. Mm-hmm. And then there is complex trauma which is when you have multiple traumatic experiences. And in as far as how your central nervous system works, it they actually connect up with each other kind of the way a decorative mobile works, the mm-hmm. little uh, items hanging from a string and, mm-hmm. and they're all connected. And when one gets activated, the whole mobile starts work, it starts moving. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how complex trauma works. Okay. And then there's another that's called secondary trauma, which is when someone close to you is going through trauma and you do not have empathy because empathy is a lie. And it's part of what the uh, government has been doing to train people 
to become debilitated. Uh, and they started uh, processing that with the Operation Paperclip back in the 1920s. Um, so, the, because we actually cannot feel somebody else's feelings, we can see those feelings, have our own memory of similar feelings in similar mm -hmm. circumstances, be reactivated by that memory, and so we can have compassion and sympathy with the other person, yeah. but we cannot actually feel their feelings. That's that's like kind of mind blowing a little bit because I feel like, oh, I'm a huge empath. You know, I used to say that about myself because I literally, right. if I saw someone physically get hurt, like I literally would feel it in my stomach, not right. you know, realizing I, it's, yeah, go ahead. Well, the thing, two things. One is um, we have some neurons in us that are called mirror neurons. Mm-hmm. And it's how we're able to learn things by observation. Mm -hmm. And those same, uh, how they work is also how, uh, for learning is also how they function for us being able to have an understanding, a type of learning of what a circumstance is for another person. Mm -hmm. So those are typically what get activated in us, okay. I, you know, it's like when I see somebody stub their toe, my toes curl under in my shoes, right? That's that mirror neuron happening, but it's not taking away any of the pain in the person's foot who stubbed their toe. Right. So I am not sharing their feelings. I'm understanding their feelings. Yeah. But I'm not actually feeling their feelings their body is still discreet and belongs to them the same way a baby forming in a mother's womb is an individual mm -hmm. and is not even though is co-located inside the mom yeah is a an a, a creation of the lord as a human being as an image bearer and is discreet unto themselves. That other person is discreet unto themselves too. Yeah. The thing about empathy is back at uh, a little before the Second World War ended, mm -hmm. a group of uh, German psychologists were paid to come over to the United States and get put into universities as uh, visiting professors mm -hmm. and they started teaching some of the humanist based psychology and it and they started doing that not only in the medical field but also in the education field that mm -hmm. was the same time that the education field stopped or uh, significantly reduced asking essay questions and started true and false and fill in the blank and multiple choice. And so that that was to get people to start receiving information without question. Mm -hmm. 
um, and and establishing elitism. That was the beginning of establishing elitism in the United States. Man, don't get me started on them elites. Yeah. <laughs> we can all and agree so, on that. And so, uh, and empathy is one of the ways they use to manipulate people is to have folks think that they could feel somebody else's feelings. And that way you would take it personally and that's how we wound up with critical thing, uh, that critical race theory, right? Kind of thing, yeah. And and people who are uh, Caucasian, uh, getting out in the street and burning things uh, is part and participating in those riots. Yeah. You it, know. Yeah. If I see one of the, one more apology, like some of these like online social media apologies, it's it's so. To me, it's I it's I it's hard not to laugh at it. It just seems so insincere and just I and I feel you know, I, I guess I should feel more compassion for the people that are just brainwashed by it. Um yeah. but yeah, it's interesting. And I I how you've mentioned that, so kind of almost tricking instead of being an empath, Jesus talks about compassion. Right. Like we can still have compassion on people. Right. Well, the word em empathy was created in uh, 1878, I think, mm -hmm. 78 or 79. And it was created by people who were um, art promoters in Paris mm -hmm. as part of the uh, doctoral thesis on how to promote non-representational abstract art. <laughs> and they decided that if they could get people to have an emotional response to a piece of artwork, they would be more likely to buy it. Wow. And then the, the politicians saw that as a very useful piece of marketing information. Mm -hmm. And so they took it and ran with it and have been running with it ever since. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can watch any commercial and they're not selling you on the product. They're selling you on the emotion. So if you right. get that Subaru, oh, man, you're going to be able to go hiking and you're going to have this incredible life. But, you know, the Subaru is just kind of part of the, the package. But, yeah, I see it all the yeah. time. Publix does a good job at that. The public yeah. commercials, they get me <laughs> tear. You know, yeah. family, <laughs> they sell you on the family and everyone's in the kitchen right. and they're cooking and you're just like, oh, my God, I want that. Um, yeah. So kudos to those in the advertising industry. They've figured that one out. Yeah. And gaming, too. The gaming psychologists grabbed hold of that. I'm not a big gamer. So I don't know. I'm not a big gamer, but I studied that. I studied their work. Study. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't even watch TV hardly anymore. So I, I, you know, the commercials are pretty not even, well, they get you sometimes on other apps. They make you watch the commercials. Yeah. But yeah. So, okay. So going back to yeah. the, the, the three levels of trauma. So right. now you have, you've broken down the three levels. So what if someone's like, hey, I got all three. What are we, what are we doing? Well, with that? I see that that's complex. That's, and that's, what typically happens is you wind up with complex trauma because if you if you have close relationships, you're bound to have secondary trauma. Oh yeah, I got so all. So if you, and if you, yeah, and, and most people do. And like you said, particularly after what 
we were uh, marched through in the COVID um, scenarios and and they were orchestrated exactly for compliance. Uh, I still attend some of the webinars that uh, Health and Human Services puts on and they would tell us to be sure and use certain phrases and not use certain phrases because they wanted compliance. Wow. They didn't want anybody healthy. They just wanted compliance. <laughs> We're and all so, together. Unless you don't comply. <laughs> yeah. Got it. And, and so, um, yeah. And what happens is it's kind of like um, a highway system, the way your central nervous system works. Mm-hmm. And when uh, a pathway is used repeatedly, mm-hmm more blood vessels and muscle tissue surround it and strengthen it. And it's like when the highway department uh, expands, adds a, a lane onto a highway. Yeah. And what used to be a four lane becomes a six lane. And then about four or five years later, it becomes an eight lane and mm-hmm. it just keeps growing. Well, the more trauma that you have, the bigger and stronger the pathways are that activate your thinking and your emotions. Mm -hmm. And so you do get stuck in a rut, literally. Yeah. And and it's a physiological rut. And it has that part of our physical being has to decrease in the blood flow so that the muscles can uh, start deteriorating to grow new ones mm-hmm. and to form new patterns. And it's like paving when they, when all of a sudden you're driving down the road and you see one of those yellow signs that says, detour ahead 500 feet. And mm-hmm. you can't go the way you used to go. And yeah. it's frustrating. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what literally happens inside your body when you're trying to change your responses and start. And it's like when uh, Paul says for us to take thoughts captive, Mm -hmm. that's what happens. We have to put up those yellow detour signs. Yeah. It's work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's twice as much work. Mm -hmm. It's literally physically twice as much work. I mean, when I first realized that, my my strange little mind thought, well, then why why don't I get rid of some of the fat on my hips? Uh, You know, it's like if I'm having to do this extra work, why can't I get some benefit out of it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that's not the way it works. Yeah. Um, But it it does eventually. And uh, there are a lot of people who will give time frames for how long it takes. Yeah. And in ideal situations, Mm -hmm. it would take somewhere around 90 days. Mm -hmm. If you know someone who lives in ideal situations, I'd love to get their (laughs) contact information. I do not know them myself. Live in a bubble, yeah. Like, and and so the thing is, anytime uh, we're surprised with a trauma, Mm -hmm. defaults back to the old neural pathways. 
Uh, oh my gosh, that explains some trauma that I still deal with. But interesting, what you and just said. So it, boom, you're having, you're going, you're going, you're getting better. New traumas introduced right back, ground yeah. zero. Or right. Well, not exactly all the way to ground zero, but not far from it. Okay. And um, and but it needs to be a surprise because if you know that trauma is coming you can take steps. Now, if, if you know it's coming and you just go running toward it anyway with taking no steps, then you're setting yourself up. But, you know, but if, 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 if you know something's coming mm -hmm. and you set some supports up for yourself, mm -hmm. like uh, write some meaningful scripture on note cards and stick them in your purse or stick yeah. them or you know yeah and it, things like that uh have people on standby that you can call and pray with mm -hmm. um you know if you take those steps then you can walk through it and not have it set you back mm -hmm. uh, as a matter of fact it can even help um reinforce your new pathway so it's not mm -hmm. It necessarily that we should uh, fear something that we see coming. Right. We just need that due diligence that James mm -hmm. talks about um, to to take preparation and, and plan for it. Mm -hmm. But if, when we get something that catches us completely off guard, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, <laughs> an illustration would be. Um, yeah. I, I live in an apartment. It's an older apartment. And about two o'clock one Sunday morning, I heard this loud noise. It uh -huh. sounded like it was right beside me. And it was right beside me. A uh, plumbing pipe had worn through and water was had the pressure of it had shot through the wall. And wow. it was just coming out really fast mm -hmm. and wetting everything down. My carpet was now, I mean, like I got out of the bed and went squish, squish, squish. Oh, wow. About two inches of water on the floor. Mm -hmm. And it was just flying out. It looked like a fire hydrant, a, a baby fire hydrant. So I cut the, I, fortunately, I knew how to cut the water off, which yeah. I did mm -hmm. um, and called maintenance. But I mean, to say that was a surprise is an understatement. Yeah. And and so, I mean, I was, every bit of me was physically tense. Mm -hmm. And it took me a couple of days to kind of come back down mm -hmm. to a, a, a nice, healthy normal. Yeah. Because, and, you know, I was having um, startle reactions to little noises that were regular noises just because yeah. that had happened in the middle of the night. Right. And, and that can, and that kind of surprise thing can set you back. Mm -hmm. And depending how, how healthy you are at the time, how um, unplugged or rerouted you are, then it can like with me, then I, I had, it took me only a few days to get back to where I wasn't overreacting to things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't cause me to become short with people or have interpersonal uh, issues with it. I was just having uh, startled reactions. Yeah. But a different kind of trauma, uh, something that would be a surprise that happened with a person, say a, a close friend or a family member was in an auto accident or did something that was just very, very out of character as far as what you had anticipated for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um those can take longer and have more effect with your interpersonal relationships. Yeah. So, and I, and I think like, yeah, good luck. You know, I always say, Hey, if you didn't have childhood trauma, don't, don't worry. You'll get adult adult trauma. I mean, trauma is coming as long as you're, as long as you're breathing and you're living on this earth, life is going to happen to you. So, um, it's kind of best to learn how to take the hits because they're going to come. So, um, you know, somebody like, how would you speak generally like out if, if like, let's somebody's landing on this and they're like, Hey, I got all the traumas. Um, are there books you recommend or maybe is it, I mean, are there just some general things that, you know, you can recommend to people to kind of work through some of this? Um, well, um, everyone is so unique that it's hard to do something that's really general other than um, the the owner's manual is the Bible. Yeah. And so it tells us, I mean, just reading um, Matthew 5 through 7, mm-hmm. you know, the Sermon on the Mount, it, it tells you how to negotiate this world and... Um, not to not to take offense and hang on to it and not open yourself up for torment to come into your life um and a lot of times that's not going to fit with the culture mm-hmm. and that can seem like um a second set of trauma when everybody or not everybody but the majority of the people in that you're working with or that's in uh, your social circles or are people whose uh, beliefs are not the same as yours and so their expectations are not the same as yours and the advice that they will give you whether you ask for it or not what they volunteer to give you will not be what's really best for you so those, you know, those are those are issues. And the best thing that can happen is to get a, a group of um, either family and or friends, usually a mixture of both mm-hmm. is best, uh, if possible, and who are uh, truly working for themselves to have a good personal relationship with Christ Jesus and his word and for those folks to be the uh, your support team and mm-hmm. then not be shy about using the support team. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times just just saying, I think I need some help. Right. Is, 
the biggest obstacle some people overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that community is so important. I mean, we are the body of Christ. I mean, there's a reason we're not supposed to be kind of out on our own, figuring it all out. I mean, we have, you know, Holy Spirit within us as believers, which is God within us. So we have the power, um, but it doesn't replace the need for community. And I think now more than ever, you know, people that's been placed on my heart so heavy is people getting in their communities, knowing who can help with what, not only on just an emotional, let's heal from mental, heal from some stuff, trauma, but physical needs arise. Um, you know, we're kind of still um, and a lot of uncertain times. So I think it's important to be in your communities and know um, who's who and, and you know, support one another. So I love that. So having a support system, um, because I know as I was starting, to, I started my healing journey probably more about seven years ago. I've always been on it seeking, but really pressing in um, to that. And um, it, it is good to have some some friends you know, or a good support that will just let you, because there's days when you really start working on your stuff, it's exhausting. I mean, it's, it can be a lot when you're going to, because now you're not just going to keep pushing it down and pushing it back. You're going to look at it. You're going to be, you know, able to identify what the things have been kind of pulling you down or weighing you down. So, you know, I always, um, I just know when you're really working on some things, just that extra rest, just like if you were going to a gym and, you know, building those muscles, I mean, you're building some new muscles emotionally and mentally. So it, it, it can be exhausting. So. Well, it's just like we were saying a few minutes ago, you've got some cells in your body that are dying at the same time, you're having to develop some replacement ones for the new thinking, new attitudes. And mm -hmm. that's literal physical work. Wow. Yeah. And it, it and it we think of it as being only emotional or only emotional and mental. Mm -hmm. But everything that is emotional is physical. Everything that is mental is physical. There you go. And so you are doing work. It's just a different kind of work. Cool. And the other thing with that is that it's good to have not only your support team, but to also have uh, some, some kind of place. And it's extremely varied according to different personalities, but to have some kind of place that is your private place. Mm-hmm that um, people only, it's like only if the roof falls in will the, you be disturbed. Um, okay. And, and that way it'll, uh, journaling, uh, writing, the, the uh, literal kinesthetic act of using your hand, not clicking or swiping, but old fashioned pen and paper writing uh, allows you to think mm -hmm. in ways that you would not think if you didn't have that kinetic uh, pathway operating. And you can be more honest with yourself 
on paper than you can be just in your mind by itself. Yes. Oh, so, I, I, I agree 100%. Journaling is a huge part of my recovery is writing it out. And it is, it's almost like the pen. I mean, I know Christ sets me free, but this is a weapon of, of you know, attacking, you know, kind of, we don't fight with weapons of the, the world. But I'll just tell you, this pen has helped set me free in so many ways, just writing it out and getting it on paper. Um, I love that. So finding that place where you're not going to be disturbed, turn off your cell phone, shut the door, lock the door, um, <clears throat> finding those places where it's just you. Yeah. Um, and I, and I know faith is a huge, like, I don't know how people can recover without it because when I when go I back to memories to heal, like I, I literally invite Jesus back to that. I literally see him and we go, we go to that little, that we go mm -hmm. to that wound. And I mean, it's my personal like you said, everybody has a different way of working mm -hmm. through it. Um, for me, me, I go with Jesus as myself now, and we bring this red heart, and we heal. We, we're, it's almost like a heart of healing that gets deposited in that memory. Um, but it is work, and I and I wish I could say like, "Hey, I'm all healed up," but you know, there's layers to it. And can you speak on that? Like, because I think. I know sometimes people, you can get a little bit of like momentum and it's great and there's nothing wrong with that. We should feel lighter and lighter. Um, but there can be some discouragement when you're like, hey, I thought I worked through this or man, um, I was doing so good. And and so tell me, can you kind of speak on that? Maybe feeling like you've got some setbacks when it comes to working through trauma? Well, the fact that we live in a broken and fallen world we're going to have uh, opportunities for things to remind us of things that we thought that we had. Uh, and one of the things is there is a lot of misunderstanding about what forgiveness is. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't actually forgive. Um, our little individual selves. We agree with Christ Jesus and his forgiveness as part of the body of Christ, but condemnation and forgiveness are both judgments. And we're not, we are, the Lord, according to his word, did not delegate that to us. That belongs to Jesus exclusively. Hmm. And so, when he tells us to forgive 70 times seven, or in other mm -hmm. words, all the time, what we do is we F-O-R-E-G-I-V-E, F-O-R-G-I-V-E-N-E-S-S. -E -E -S. We forgive forgiveness. We operate from a state of being of perpetual forgiveness. It's not an event based. It's a part of our state of being. Mm. But we are part of his body. And he forgave us all before he even created the universe. So he forgave. F-O-R-E. He forgave mm -hmm. forgiveness. 
before there was Adam and Eve. Wow. And so, and so now that we are part of the body of Christ, we are to be in that same state of being. Remember, God gave when Moses said, Who shall I say sent me? And mm-hmm. he said, Yud Hey Vav Hey. And that's being. That's the Hebrew word for being, which means all of all of all. Is that with I am, the great I am? Is that the great I am is more literally being in all capital letters? Mm -hmm. And it's like every subatomic particle only exists and only continues to hold itself together and continue to be sustained because of the sovereign will of Father God. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, nothing, not even demons, nothing that can be without his being. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so um, when you it, when you take if a person takes Hebrew lessons, biblical Hebrew, mm-hmm. you learn that that word because I'm just using the consonants because it doesn't have vowels in it Mm -hmm. Um, means being Mm -hmm. that which is that which is and which is everything Mm -hmm. which is how he's sovereign over everything Yes. Because it all proceeded out of his self. Yes. So, so in it, yeah. Everything. I mean, strange squirrels that go flying across the backyard. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and that's why lies always expose themselves because he is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So he is truth, and Father God is truth. If he says it through Christ Jesus, it happens. Amen. Because his word, that bara, his word has that power mm-hmm. and that authority. His authority and power match up at all times. That's part of his perfection and part of his righteousness. Yes. And he made us in his image. Mm-hmm. Well, there were some angelic beings that got their nose way out of joint over that and rebelled <laughs> because they didn't have that. They didn't have that authority and power matched up like he was doing for us to make us in his image mm-hmm. and likeness. And that's why it's so important for us to recognize that we are part of his being part of the body of Christ means that we really are his image bearers. Yes. And to understand that we have been delegated that authority and power. 
And so we we actually can forgive people when they are in the process of hurting us. Wow. Yeah. And then so that's a so interesting that you're saying this. So basically it's already in us to forgive. It's just kind of letting that flow instead it's to of blocking. Agree with him. It's just to consciously agree with him. Step into agreement. Yeah, I saw the movie The Shack. Did you, or I didn't read the book. I I, I, I read the book. Movie. There's a movie. Yeah. Um <laughs> But, you know, I started watching that movie. Did you see it? No. The storyline. Oh, my gosh. Right off the bat, I'm like, do not take the storyline here. Do not take the storyline here. And they took it there. But it was all about forgiveness. And the, this man had to forgive um, this other man who basically did horrific things to his daughter. Mm -hmm. Killed his daughter. I, You know, it's, it's such a sad movie. Couldn't believe I, I stuck it out, but it really makes you think that God forgives all of it. Yes. That can be a hard thing to hear when somebody has dealt with such extreme trauma or had right. such extreme darkness and sin come into their life because of somebody else. So speaking into that because we're talking yeah. about trauma and overcoming and all that somebody that has a um a strong a, a wound so to speak like that how do you help somebody like that i mean is it just simply what you just said letting christ through you yeah it, that's that, that no a person a counselor or uh a pastor can guide a person toward the Lord, but it is the Lord who does the healing. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I have uh, a friend that worked with uh, some gang kids, just like uh, I had been doing, mm -hmm. and she lived down near Noonan. Mm -hmm. And one of the gang kids uh, got angry at her for something she said. Mm -hmm. And he stabbed her to death 15 and he stabbed her 15 times. And while he was killing her, she forgave him. Wow. And, um, you know, and she had been, she had devoted her whole life to, to doing ministry and had, before she was originally from um, Ireland and had seen an awful lot of violence mm -hmm. with the uh, revolution that took place there. And so she, it was no, no stranger to that kind of behavior. And, but it, and, you know, uh, one of our colleagues was there at the time and witnessed this. And she has had a very difficult time dealing with the fact that um, Philomena forgave the person while he was killing her. Oh, my God. And in such a brutal way. 
And it, I think of uh, Pastor Andrew Brunson, who was in that Turkish prison um, and in solitary confinement for protracted mm -hmm. periods of time. And some of the returning citizens that I work with um, or have worked with, not the past year, but prior to then, um, would be put in in the state of Georgia and mm -hmm. in most of the states in the United States. The way the prison is set up is solitary confinement functions as punishment for some people and is the only place they have to put people for our security reasons. Um, and so it, it's called uh, protective custody. Mm -hmm. And they put them in the same solitary confinement that is the punitive solitary. And they are in a dark place with no interaction with anyone except for usually an hour a day. And that's five days a week. So there'll be two days a week that they don't have anything. Their food's pushed in through um, Mm -hmm. opening and um, so to do something that is heroic within the prison system I think of a lady I know who was in protective custody for ten and a half years because she told the deputy warden mm -hmm. that some of the inmates were planning on uh, assaulting the head warden and so they put her in protective custody because she ratted on her fellow prisoners mm -hmm. but that meant that she served 10 and a half years in solitary confinement for doing the right thing unbelievable i mean you know so let's speak into some of this right now because you know, the state of where things are heading, you know, not only in the United States, but it seems like a global evil is trying mm -hmm. to take over. Um, <laughs> and he looks a lot like Dr. Evil, Klaus Schwab. No, though, all of it, like sometimes I'm like, am I really, is this really happening? I mean, it's almost comical and sad at the same time, but yep. speak a little bit into persecution and speak a little bit about because not, you know, it's nothing new. I mean, here in the United States, we, mm -hmm. I mean, it still happens, but I mean, what's it's people, Christians have been persecuted the, all, all over, you know, we've That's just right. been in a bit of a bubble here in the States. So speak about, because I heard, I, I know I got the opportunity to interview Pastor Arthur Pulaski up in Canada mm -hmm. and for, you know, he was put in solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. I mean, they treated him horrific. They tried to get the other inmates to attack him and, mm -hmm. you know, stripped him down. I mean, really abusive situation. Um, so let's just say things aren't going to, going to get better for, for Christians, for people. Right. How do you prepare for that? How do you get kind of your spiritual armor on because of, of what we hear is happening and possibly I believe coming how do you prepare for for that kind of uh, trauma, so to speak? That you know, yeah. it's not even here yet. But 
could be a reality pretty soon. Well, and the fact that it's being threatened is a type of trauma unto itself. Mm, mm-hmm. And um, the the only way to prepare is to get closer to the Lord. And really and truly, one of the best things that anybody can do is to memorize scripture so that you have it inside you. So if they take it away from you physically, mm-hmm. you're not lost. You haven't been depending on the written page or the phone app. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get that inside you uh, and 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 to make sure that any resentment or anything you have had in the past, you had you get that taken care of because that's going to be a doorway for even more torment to be amplified mm-hmm. once things start uh, getting more difficult. And they do. I, I did for the newspaper that I write for, I did one of the things I researched was the internment camps that they have ready and mm-hmm. they are ready. Um, and there are many of them, and they're basically, uh, right now, the way they have their regulations on the books is that uh, domestic, we're considered domestic terrorist. <laughs> wow. And, yep. uh, it's crazy. And so, you know, they're basically for people who, are walking out their Christian life. Unbelievable. I mean, I honestly, I read in Revelations, it's kind of part, either you're going into the camp, or you're going to die by the sword. I, you know, I are we going to be in that? Is that us? Is that, the, I mean, does it stop here? Does God say, hey, mercy hour, we're, we're going to pull it back? I, I don't know. Well, the one thing we do know is that um, in the word and in, Matthew and uh, Luke, where Jesus is uh, speaking to his disciples before uh, crucifixion, when they ask him, you know, about that, uh, often called the Olivet Discourse, they uh, he says that it will be like birth pains. Yeah, which means that before the rapture, I believe in the rapture. Before the rapture, things will become very, very bad. They will not be as horrific as the tribulation, but they will have they will have the what they a lot of prophecy uh, professors and and people who study that refer to it casting its shadow behind it. Mm. Um, and so the, it's like what we've been going through in the past couple of years, really the, for a, a lot longer than that, but very obviously for the past couple of years are the same exact same kinds of things that, uh, are the 10 plagues of Egypt yeah. and it hadn't changed. And there's no reason for us to anticipate that it will change. Now, mm-hmm. when um, the Judeans were in Babylon, 
for 70 years um, and then came back, what they came back to looked like it had been bombed out. So they had to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. And um, in the word, it doesn't have that happening repeatedly. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yes, our Lord does work in patterns and, and does tell us seasons that are coming ahead. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason to think that there will not be some use of those internment camps and devices that they've purchased for them um, mm-hmm. that that will just simply, you know, for somehow or another not take place. And so I wish I could, you know, I know there are a lot of people who say, oh, we're going to have this big awakening we're going to have this big and it's probably that we will have an awakening but what the word says is that the light will shine brighter as it gets darker sure and not that the light is going to negate the darkness so yeah i mean and it's it's heavy it's a heavy topic it's a heavy time we're in um I do think God is going to be merciful. And and I think there's still some people that are sleeping. They're not awake just yet. And um, um, those of us that are waking up, I, people have been awake for years. I'm like, Oh, well, I'm kind of glad I didn't wake up sooner. I was living La Vida Loca, uh, not realizing all the evil that was happening. No, I mean, I was still, but I just didn't know the extent of it. Um, Sometimes I'm like, I wish I could go back. Uh, Give me a blue pill. No, um, <laughs> I joke. <about> that. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, with me doing the newspaper work, I do more research into current events now than I did, say, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew a lot of things were not good simply because I was working in the government and I was there where it was happening. Mm-hmm. So I saw it. Yeah. And, um, one of the lovely things, of uh, redemptive things about having trauma as a uh, young child is it teaches you not to take things at face value so you don't get duped as frequently. Sure. And, and so, so when you see things happening around you and they just don't add up, you know, you kind of start yeah. figuring things out on your own. Uh, before things become very obvious and overt. Um, But even now, I will look something up and all of a sudden it's like this little rabbit hole opens up and it's like, oh dear, I didn't even, it never (laughs) crossed my mind about that. I never associated that with this other thing. And then yeah. I do I go down that little rabbit hole and it's like, doggone, these things are very connected. Oh, and they've been very connected for almost 50 years. Good gravy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm there too. Like there's days, man, I go some deep rabbit holes. And that was part of, I asked you some for some advice because like you got to have that balance, right? Because That's right. the word of God, we know, and we have Holy Spirit. So it's like, Sometimes I'm like, I can't get on an app today 
Um, I'm just going to get into the word because God's already, he's already telling me everything I need to know right now. Um, but I think you gave me some advice about three to one, like three parts yeah. Bible to one part, you know, doing the deep dive. That's right. Yeah. So. Well, the thing too is we tend to go toward what we focus on. Mm-hmm. It's like if you were trying to, to walk a tightrope. All of these famous people who have Italian last names uh, that were tightrope walkers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they would always say, you know, they would tie something to the other end that they could focus on, and that mm-hmm. would keep them walking straight on the rope. Yep. And we have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And proportion matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and proportion matters in a lot of different kinds of ways. There are two big ways that it's real important to stay real, real conscious of. One is that uh, three to one, as far as uh, scripture, uh, walking it out, focusing on it, keeping our eye completely looking toward his eye, And uh, rather than worldly things. And then the other one is kind of the reverse. Okay. Uh, in in the word where it says a little leaven uh, goes mm-hmm. through the whole loaf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I'm going down these rabbit holes, mm-hmm. if I run across something that is contrary to the word of God. Yeah. I ditch it. Okay. Because a little leaven does poison the whole. I have run across a number of things in what is supposed to be Christian um, websites, uh, reports, all kinds of different communication Mm -hmm. that starts commingling. And I like to stay real conscious of what the Lord said in Revelation 2 and 3 to the seven churches, mm-hmm. what to watch out for, mm-hmm. because we're, we're there and we yeah. need to watch out for all those things. Okay. And and that Balaam, mm-hmm. where you commingle things. Uh, in my own field right now, of uh, biblical, I call it biblical counseling instead of Christian counseling. Mm-hmm. On purpose, okay. Because a lot, uh, there are a couple large organizations that are um, American Association of Christian Counselors and other names, and they have started bringing in secular psychology, mm. and some of them even say, "Oh, well, use use the Socratic method of questioning." Mm-hmm. Well, that's pagan religion that's stoicism that's mm-hmm. humanism that's not okay yeah it has no business in the christian life and the kinds of questions that plato said socrates did because socrates never wrote a word in his whole lifetime so we don't know what he really said mm-hmm. um is go to the bible the kind of open-ended questions. Let's see when when is that first show up in the Bible? Mm-hmm. How about when 
Adam and Eve fell and God walks into the garden and says, where are you? Mm -hmm. Well, there you are. You know, <laughs> Genesis 3. Yeah. You have, you have the use of, so Socrates was mimicking the Lord and he does not like people stealing his glory. Right. Right. So I'm not going to call that Socratic. I'm going to call that biblical. Amen. And how many times did Jesus, when somebody was doing something, did he interrupt what they were doing by asking them a question? Yeah. All the time. Mm -hmm. So that is biblical. That's not Greek. And we don't need to say that it's Greek and say that we're following pagan Greeks. Amen. Wow. And, 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 and some of the same thing as far as um, Buddhist and, you know, deep breathing and all these other types of, quote, relaxation uh, exercises. Mm -hmm. we, we, can, we can just practice Shabbat. That's right. What, what, what he's, that's, that's not, that started in Genesis, in the f first two chapters of Genesis. That's right. That's, that's right. That's not part of the law. That's God's own way of teaching us how to take care of ourselves. Amen. Amen. So much so good much. stuff. So I, we're going to kind of wrap it up here. But um, so you do biblical counseling. Yep. Um, are you open to, because I know you're based here in Georgia. But do you go, do you allow people to, like, do you do Zoom or do you do phone yeah, calls? I, okay. uh, Zoom, phone calls. Um, most, most of the time, uh, phone calls because uh, a couple of my clients who are here in Georgia that I do see sometimes, mm -hmm. um, their job ca causes them to travel a good bit. So we do the phone a good bit, too. So, well, then yeah, I'm happy to do that. Okay, so in the show notes, we'll put, uh, we'll definitely link that if you're okay. We'll put uh, what, yeah. however you want people to get in contact with you that may just want to have some biblical counseling because right. we all need it. We all, we all, and it's okay, fine, you know, and if, you know, I just think what we're landing on is getting your community, finding those people to support you, working through your trauma, um, and writing the word on your heart so that right. whatever's coming down the road, that you'll be well, ready to, to the go. The other thing is with biblical, with true biblical counseling, for people who are going through a hard time and want to uh, connect with me every week or every other week, that's fine and that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. But I am not like managed care. I do not want people to think that they're supposed to start seeing uh, me and then never stop. Mm -hmm. uh, if I don't work myself out of a job, I'm not doing my job. Come on. And, so, <laughs> and it's like I have uh, one person that I hear usually for about six weeks, a couple of times a year for the past three years. Yeah. But, that, but that's it. Out of the whole year, I hear from that's them true. like, you know, so it's, yeah, it, I don't treat it like a lot of other people do. That's wonderful. And, you know, it really should be empowering the individual to get the tools they need to, to go ahead and, and, and do the work. Um, it does require work and time, mm -hmm. but let me tell you, if you're a believer, you have Holy spirit 
God's got you. He's going to guide you. And um, wow, this has been so good. And listen, I know we're just getting started. Like I could just keep going and going. I'd love for you to come on again and talk a little bit more about some things that we've uh, we we do some deep dives on. But um, so, yeah, we'll link to getting in touch if somebody's um, interested in, in biblical counseling and then you also do write for a paper, a, con, a Christian conservative paper. So right. uh, we could probably put that in there as well. And uh, yeah, um, yeah. And the uh, biblical advocacy. Oh, if yeah. someone wants to uh, learn how to uh, make changes in their school board or uh, how to interact with different parts of the government, because since I worked in so many different parts of government, I really know how to do that. Amen. And then, yeah, and we are ambassadors for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So let's get trained up. I'm listening to a good book called Tactic. And mm-hmm. it's all about learning how to ask the right questions, all about the questions. But mm-hmm. um, that's great. So is that, yeah, when you're finished with that, I would love to have you come on and maybe we could talk yeah. a little bit more about what you've learned and, and um, how people can get a hold of that. So, well, yeah. Barbara, thanks for coming on. Love hearing everything you have to say. And um, yeah, let's do this again. Okay. I've enjoyed it. <laughs>